Hi, welcome to Old School with Patrick Rooney, the podcast where old school wisdom is new again. I explore natural health, success, and freedom with my amazing guests. Old School with Patrick Rooney, and uh, Old School deals with natural health, success, and freedom, the same thing I deal with in everything else, except I am doing a special series on success. We've dealt with COVID a lot, natural health, like crazy we've been dealing with that. We've been dealing with the craziness in America and trying to get some order back restored. So we've been dealing with the freedom aspect, but success has been lacking. Now it's time to have more success in America. It's time we get back off our butts, get out there and succeed in the world again. So uh, I'm happy to have my good friend, Mark Yaffe from many, many decades, uh, who's a successful comedian as well. We dealt with, uh, we had a part one that we just did, which was about a lot of things, upbringing, uh, how we see the world, what's going on out there, and just a, a lot of good conversation. We're going to switch gears in this episode, and we're going to talk about success and the success that Mark has had as a comedian, and hopefully we'll get to coax out some uh, success ideas from him about what he's done to succeed in the world of comedy. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on my friend, Mark Yaffe. Mark, how are you? Hey, Patrick. Great to be back. And uh, thanks for uh, picking up the conversation. I, I found it ironic. You know, I said, hey, we got to get off our butts and get back to work. And now uh, I find myself working more uh, on my butt in a chair doing virtual work. Yeah. You know, being a stand-up comic on stage. So. Yeah. Well, I saw, I saw you doing even a uh, stand-up, if you want to call it stand-up, in your jacuzzi. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I try to make a commitment. Part of we can talk about success or lack thereof is, you know, just set, setting this, even a short-term goal. I said, you know what? I'm going to do a Jokes from the Jacuzzi series. Because I hadn't seen anyone do that, I'll do it every Sunday. Because you know, pick a pick a time or pick a, a market or niche where maybe it's not well served or there's not a lot of competition, and see what happens. So you know, I probably at this point I get you know ten, twenty viewers, and then maybe during the week I get you know five hundred to a thousand uh, uh, clip views on my uh, social media. So. Good. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm putting it out there, but I, I just like the fact that I had that exercise because we're without my, you know, with our traditional format. There's very few comedy clubs open and uh, most of the ones I work at, they close down or they're, they're shut down right now. Yeah, and I want to get in, into that with you as well. Um, by the way, I'm sure your skin is doing better with all of the jacuzzi and uh, you're probably very wrinkled though at this point uh, a lot of times, right? I don't know that, you know, it's kind of like the bromine <laughs> and chloride. I'm a little itchy, so, but yeah. <laughs> I bet. Uh, that's called old age, so, so. Just, yeah, just don't dive underwater and you, uh, you're going to get that green hair look. So we don't want that happening. Um, Mark, um, now this, this show I'm doing a lot different, uh, maybe, than last time. I wrote a lot of questions for you, so. Um, I don't want to make it a complete script thing because I want to be, you know, we love to just do off-cuff stuff too. But I may be cheating to some extent. So if you see me looking over here at my list, I'm, I'm looking at my questions. So uh, I want to go through kind of like from beginning on, okay? Now, um, upbringing. We, we, we went over upbringing in the, in the first segment. We're not going to really talk a lot about that. But I, I just want to know in relation to comedy, was anything about your upbringing, I know you were, you know, you talked about being adopted and things like that, or um, did that have anything, or, or is there anything in your upbringing that you thought maybe brought you into the world of comedy? Oh, I'd say absolutely. I and mean, my parents weren't super funny people. In fact, uh, I think I might have mentioned 
don't know if we discussed this in our first uh, podcast. My dad, I don't think I ever heard him tell a joke. You know, dads are like, hey, you hear this one? He wasn't one of those, you hear, tell me if you've heard this one, guys. Oh, really? I, I thought he would be like that. Oh, and you know, and, and you think, okay, well, my dad, my adopted dad's Jewish, and you know, the Jewish people are known for sense of humor. Right. He wasn't serious. As he was, a very, he's a very happy-go-lucky guy. Even in you know, in his in his later years, he's now ninety-three. He always laughed, but but I was raised. You know, we watched you know comedies. I grew up in the the seventies sitcoms and Flip Wilson, and we listened to Bill Cosby records back when Bill Cosby was was uh, was was not a persona non grata. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he was, that was before he was even America's dad, but he was, you know, he was widely respected. Yeah. So I always had that in my background. I really liked the, the, I always enjoyed like the art of comedy and, and I felt at a very young age, I felt I had the ability to distinguish kind of cheesy from not so cheesy, especially like in writing, like I remember Happy Days and MASH, like the first few years you loved, and then they get worse and worse every year. They ran out of ideas. They just got more of this cartoonish. And I get so frustrated, you know, so I and think then, I, and then Fonzie jumped the shark. It's exactly literally. And, and, you know, I, and I listen to Henry Winkler now and the guy, he's a really good soul and super funny and, and, and centered man. And, and I just think I, how, you kind of sold out there, but you, you can you brought, it seemed like you brought it back to an extent, but yeah. I always loved writing in, in high school, St. Genevieve's where I was, I got on the, uh, the, what was it? The Valiant? What was the name of the newspaper? He was, Something like that. Yeah. 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 And I think that, you know, it's always had that writing bug. I had a little performance bug. And then of course uh, we discussed in the, in our first episode, how we, uh, on our sports teams, we're, we're about as much about having fun and laughing as we were about practicing. That, that, that's fortunate and unfortunate. True. That's, that's, it speaks to our sub 500 seasons, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we, I, I've looked back at my life, you know, I said, in terms of success, people say, well, you know what? I, I didn't, I didn't have a winning team. I didn't get any trophies. And the, the year I was a senior, our, our football team won the CIF, the, 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 the athletic association championship for Southern California. And we are this mediocre team. But I guarantee you, I had more fun than, than anyone else, just yeah. just laughing. And then the year you were there, since you were great ahead of me, and then that carried on to college. I was fortunate to have some some roommates who were the creative guys, sense of humor, had the same similar style of comedy. So I always had that comedy thread. I never thought about stand up until uh, way later. So we we can get into that later. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will. You know, I remember now back in the schoolyard days, we used to gather at lunch and things like that, and uh, it seemed like there was a lot of humor even at that time. I and mean, it seemed like we'd have like a group of people who get around and just be having a good time and things like that. And maybe mostly basketball people, but we were basketball players. But I, I remember that and we had a, like a good time. It, it, even, even during lunch hour, it was like we had a good time. So And it was it was fairly, you know, it, it was some busting chops, but it wasn't mean, mean bullying, mean spirited. It was kind of clowning. And yeah. you, you and I would, we'd get, we'd go over the top and, Patrick and I, I'll, I'll embarrass you. We, we, would, we would just get goofy and like retentions. We'd just stage these fake fights. We'd like pretend we're smashing each other over the head with the, with the trash cans, those old aluminum trash can and throw, you know, rolling over tables. And, and half of our friends are just laughing because we knew it was, they knew it was joking. And one time the coach Crow, he comes running out in his towel and we interrupted the poor guy's shower and he's trying to break up the fight. And it's like, oh, Abby, run, what the heck are you And that was funnier than the actual fight. Um, Man, I'm turning red listening to this stuff. It's very funny. Uh, but now we just fight on Facebook. So, you know, yeah. it, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's moved on. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kidding. But um, 
yeah, I, I do want to get into that. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know all that about the comedy because uh, now you remember in the old days, and I still watch this stuff on YouTube, and I still think it's great, especially now because we've become so PC, right? That it's so hard, you know, to, to say say what we want to say. But you remember those, um, uh, what do you call those those dinners they would have? What do you call it? The roasts. Remember the Dean Martin roasts? Oh, yeah. Dean Martin, Don Rickles, and then you had the guy uh, Foster Brooks mocking drunk people. Can you imagine that mocking, now? Mocking drunk people, yeah. If, I, I, and he'd stutter and sputter and and right. I'd be he was my and then that was the other guy the uh, the Charlie Callis remember Charlie that? Callis would do that too right oh, and then he would be he'd be banned now because he's uh, he's an able-bodied person uh, mocking disabled people which was he was just being goofy so 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 the question like who wouldn't be banned I mean you had there, there was a black woman her name was Geraldine Page I believe remember her oh you're talking about the not the one that played Ann Esther was it it might be she was brutal i mean she used to like you had like um um what's the guy uh oh i can't think of the guy what's the guy that you say my money or my no not your money or your life um oh i can't he had kind of buck teeth and she used to just rip the guy about his buck teeth milton burl remember milton burl oh, king yeah. of comedy or whatever yeah she used to tear him to shreds and she would just she'd say you with your buck teeth milton burl and, uh, and she, was, she was vicious and then but she was very funny and yeah. i don't know whatever happened to her but she was great and then um don rickles man i mean he probably would he be around would he be allowed to do half of the stuff that he i saw him i uh, was working in laughlin at the edgewater casino and he was performing at the the east center the big event center next year i had 80 people he had 800 people or <laughs> and it, it, i thought it was a bit sad he was he was 92 93 at the time and and they they brought him out there, and it was he was kind of a self caricature. They had a, a corded mic, so and they had a guy at the end of the uh, stage, way after the wing, with like a, a, a holding the cord. So if he got too close to the edge of the stage, I think it was like a safety mechanism. Kind of really, oh my God. And he had a he actually had a band. He had Frank Sinatra's old band, so it was a kind of a old school. He had the tuxedo, yeah. But at the same, you know, it was it was kind of like a Muhammad Ali. I thought of him as Larry Larry Holmes, one of these guys in their later years when it was past their prime. And he was it, it sounded kind of dated. He goes, yeah, well, you know, uh, hey, the, the black guy here, the, the saxophone player Tommy, uh, his cousin's robbing your room right now. It was almost like too cheesy, you know. What I mean, it's like, yeah, and the gay guy, you know, what I'm talking about. So oh, yeah, he's not here. He's a he's a blah blah blah. You know, it, so in a way, it was like. I, I, I see there has to be some evolution. Some of that stuff was a little juvenile over the top. In a way, I missed the, the, the like, it was, it was free-spirited. It was mean-spirited without being mean-spirited. Yeah, yeah. It, like, okay, we took our punches. We all go back. Let's go have a drink. Let's go, you know, you, you did a great job tonight. Now it would be like, well, uh, I've contacted my lawyers. There'll be a cease and desist. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm going to the right commission. There'll be a, a, a formal in investigation. And, I see that more and more from you know all 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 quarters of society. So yeah. I don't know I don't know if comedy will survive in its in its genre. It's it's changed a lot. Like millennial comedy, especially, it's more of that self-deprecating and angst and make fun of myself. And it's, it's like yeah, yeah, and yeah, because we can't make fun of others anymore. You know, which brings me to um, again, we're getting off, and this is fine because we get off a little different than I wanted. But but it's it's all good because I love this. I used to love, and I talked to you about Johnny Carson. There, I don't think there is a Johnny Carson type of show around anymore. I mean, because you have pretty much, you know, most people are on the left, right? David Letterman and 
Uh, Jay Leno, I don't know exactly. I, I kind of I know his politics, but he's pretty good about keeping his politics out. So I, I, I mean, apolitical, apolitical on in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah, and um, and he's he's good. I, I always liked. Jay. I don't think he's on anymore. I don't watch late night TV anymore. But he's he's not on anymore, right? He a long time ago he was gone, right? No, he tours around, but he's he's been gone for like six eight years at least. Yeah. But I really like him, and, and, and watching some of the old, I don't know if you ever watched some of the old Johnny Carson stuff, but Johnny was so good at, um, he was a funny guy, but he was great at bringing other people in and letting them be funny on his show, and giving people breaks and things like that, and just, he'd bring people on, like he'd bring Burt Reynolds on. Burt Reynolds was very funny back in the day, uh, and he'd bring on, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other people he'd bring on, but... It would oh he'd bring on Don Rickles. Rickles would steal the show when he would come on. He would just come on and just, or Steve Martin. In later years, Steve Martin would come on and just steal the show. Mm -hmm. But I really kind of miss that um, maybe that one America kind of like one place where people can go and kind of like sit down together and laugh at each other and laugh at what they what they see. And then part of it too is the social media culture. But I think you could still do that, but instantly people are going to just tear, you know dice up and parcel every every word every joke yeah. and create controversy out of it so, i mean that's that's just the you know that's the blessing and curse of technology and and oversaturation yeah it, it, it everyone wants to be accessible those stars i mean i actually this is kind of weird one time i was in las vegas uh we we could get into that one of our other uh <laughs> their misadventures with, with uh blackjack and i was playing blackjack one time in las vegas actually <laughs> we had to end this interview now we used to play blackjack together right i mean that's not the whole story but we used to we thought yeah. we could win right and we used to go to the casinos in the old days and we thought we had we had a system right yeah we were gonna we were gonna figure out how to win legally not really? yeah not illegal we didn't have wires in our shoes or anything you know it was no yeah but one time I said, it sat next to Milton Berle. He was playing at like just a regular table. Really? I said, I said oh, I thought you'd like to have like a little disguise. Go, ah, that's show business kid or something like that. So <laughs> I was just out here. Now it's like, you know, on one hand, the, the, you know, the celebrities are, they're like insulated. They're in the high roller room and they're, you know, they would never kind of cross paths. Yeah. But on the flip side on social media, everybody knows everybody's business and they want to, they want to, uh, you know, dig in and, and take this part. Look at Kevin Hart. You know, he lost the Oscars over something he said 10 years ago. I mean, that was, you know, come on. I mean, I don't know why, even why he lost it, but it just got so crazy. And um, yeah, Kevin Hart, and I was thinking of somebody else too that just had, oh, you know what I was thinking about as a black comedian? Um, and I used to love Eddie Murphy, by the way. He was great. And back in the day, I don't know, he started just doing voiceovers on cartoons, I think, at a certain point. He just probably gave it up. But Who's, uh, what's the guy that's out popular now? Chappelle. One thing I want to give credit to Chappelle for is Chappelle is edgy, right? He, and he's allowed, he's, he goes out and he does stuff and he offends everybody in one way or another. Now, quite frankly, I think part of the reason he gets away with this because he's black. I don't know if white or other race comedian could get away with what Chappelle does. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think a, a Bill Maher and some of those guys are, can be pretty incendiary. Uh, I've, I've seen Dennis Miller, you know, Dennis Miller's super conservative. I've been to his show and, you know, I don't, and he went pretty far to the, to the, to the edge on some of his stuff. I mean, Chappelle, yeah, it's, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, you know, I think there's no doubt that a, a comedian person of color gets away with more. I think like I can say stuff being part native. Yeah. If I was like a purebred, you know, white Aryan, I wouldn't get away with it. 
You know, I can make I can make jokes about you know, you know, yeah, if, you know, I'll say stuff like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, glad you took your thanks. Thanks for laughing. You take a country, you can take a joke. You know, stuff like right, that. Right, right, right. Whereas it came from a different perspective, it would be considered uh, um, subjugative, subjugative, whatever the term would be, you know, pejorative. Yeah, so there there is some to that. Now, at the, at the same time, you can argue like you know the. Out, there's there's a lot more uh, the good old boys network is a lot more insulated and it's it's, it's you know the guys that that are in the in the game uh, people like me like like native comics there's so few of us and part and everyone's like ah oh, you must make a lot of money there's Indian casinos and eh, they don't really give us any play they give they 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 hire the people that make money we're brought in for special events and tribal appreciation days so you know at the end of the day it's still like the talent, the talent still has a lot to do with it. A lot of it's economics and and drawing power and and who who can who can make you money without getting in trouble. Yeah, there you go. There you go, right there. Um, yeah. Interesting. So let's take it back to okay. So you're coming up. You knew at a certain point that you liked comedy. Mm -hmm. You know that you liked writing. I mean, we I wouldn't say this on the first show, but. Uh, we used to write together. We actually wrote three screenplays, right, together? I think it was three. Two or three. It was three, yeah. Yeah, we did the, the high school one and then the, the goat walkers about the Olympic Africans and then uh, the martial law one. Yeah. yeah. And they, they probably weren't bad. I mean, the first one was probably terrible, but they got increasingly better a little bit. But if we'd done three more, we would have sold one. Yeah, like, I think so. I, I think we just quit too early. Speaking of a success show, don't quit too early, guys. If you got something, don't quit too early, right? Number one. Long game. It is truly. You know? It is a long game. Okay, so when you went, and then you had, um, when you went to college, when you were international relations major, right? Then yeah, I wrote it in the school newspaper. I thought about doing diplomacy, and then I was considering going to law. Then I went to Cal State Northridge, took a journalism, uh, master's in journalism, but then I left because Patrick and I were going to get famous writing screenplays. So, I mean, I enjoyed that more, you know? That was my fault. I took a detour in LA and I never came back. <laughs> well, I didn't, you didn't force me to drop. I just like, Hey, we're, we should do it. But this is part of the success code. If you want to say, it sounds so hokey. Like I wrote yeah. a book. Um, if you're going to go in, you got to go all in. Like I quit school. I wrote with Patrick, but at the time I should have gone and say, okay, go to a studio, go to a production office, apply as an intern, be a script reader, make some network inroads where people look at your script and and have some connections because fortunately or not a lot of uh you know the success nowadays is based on the, it's still the who you know you know yeah. and um you have you yeah. know talent talent can shine through but if you're you know if you're out in the country and an hour from nashville or you're living in sparks nevada where i live you don't have the the uh the connections but on the, the flip side now with technology, you know, people are, you know, we're, we're, we're a little more interconnected from a distance. So, yeah, if I was to do this again, and I haven't been involved in script writing for years, but if I was, again, you just kind of hit on something that's kind of interesting. Get to, man, I got, I got these dang things trying to sting, sting me again. Remember last time? Um, what I would do is um, I would be, you know, you talked about being kind of near the action or, or, or you really do need to be where things are going on. Like, you know, in bodybuilding in the 70s, there was a, California was the Mecca, and yeah, Arnold and those guys moved to Muscle Beach, and they lived there, and they worked together, they trained together, they ate together, they yes. socialized together, and the point is they were where the action is. So if I was to do writing again, if a screen, let's say I was doing screenplays, I would probably be in that area, physically, or wherever, you know what I mean? And then I would be, I would be networking in that area as much as I could, or 
at least make a plan to be down there regularly. You can't be a beach volleyball player in Peoria, Illinois, and expect to make the Olympic team. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so let's bring on to uh, the next thing that kind of catches my eye about your career, so to speak, is, is now I understand where it came from in the beginning. Um, then you got to the point, well, you got to a certain point, which is interesting to me because you, you showed an independent streak, which was interesting. You used to work for the DMV in the old days, right? Yeah, I got the, well, when, when we were writing scripts and trying to, trying to do that, and I said, well, I got to make some money. So my other friend, Eric, uh, said, hey, they're, you know, DMV, state of California is hiring and you can work part-time. It's a decent job because it's super kickback. Now we say that about DMV. But I got in there, and then it, 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 I was, you know, they, they liked, they took a shine to me right away because I did a good job, and, you know. Um, so I hadn't, I hadn't thought about the comedy thing, but I did go see Sam Kennison, the late Sam Kennison at Cal State Northridge. During I that. saw him there, too. Did we see it together? I think so. I think Bob Luzak or someone, maybe. He, he was there as maybe 20, 25 people before he became arena famous. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw that. I, and I never I forgot the, that. I saw the same show. That was probably a turning point for you, right? I didn't realize you were there, but that that seeds had been. I'd never been to a live comedy show, so I'm like, oh man, that was amazing, and it's always stuck in my head. But fast forward, I never thought I did, what made me actually do comedy. There were some other things that happened. Is I went to a what they call a one nighter show where there's, you know, in the middle of nowhere, I was at a Lions Club. I was living in Lake County in Northern California, and I saw this man uh, Don Lacey, comedian from Oakland. Uh, do a do a show this one night and it was his first show since his daughter had been murdered really to death in oakland wow and i saw the guy he was he was so uh uh so he put on such a good show and was, so you can tell it was so cathartic for him to be back on stage and the audience so it was had so much respect that he was doing this and he explained it but he still you know and i'm like man if this guy can come back you know after losing a child I'm going to have to try this comedy thing. So I think that's the one that finally pushed me over the edge. Oh, interesting. But I thought about it since Sam Kennison days. I said, this is, yeah. Well, you know, uh, Sam, getting back to Sam for a minute, that show, I did, I was at that show. That was a show I never forgot because this guy was like super profane, you know, the way he, I mean, he talked about stuff that would really make me wonder if I'm going to get hit by a lightning bolt from God or something. You know, the kind of stuff he did. And he did die later. So I don't know, you know, I ain't saying anything, but... <laughs> Hey, you know, but I tell you one thing, and he was a rebel because I think his father was a preacher or something yeah, like that. A Pentecostal family, healing, traveling uh, ministry. Yeah. yeah, and he got involved with a, a woman who was like on the wrong side of tracks kind of woman. I can't remember who that was. She was like all, also in the limelight at the time, Tammy something, I think. But anyway, her parents or her dad or something was a minister too. So you have a couple people that were very rebellious getting together, right? And that's how they got together. But Sam was, say whatever you want, else you want about him, that guy was drop dead funny. I hate to drop dead, forgive me for that. Yeah. <laughs> but he was, he was funny as... Double over funny, yeah. yeah I was going to say funny as hell, but I might be, every time I say something, I'm hitting a new ground here. Uh, but he was, he was really funny. Um, speaking of which, and this gets off comedy for a second with Sam, but uh, do you remember how he died? It was a car wreck. Yeah, do you remember the story of the car, of the incident? Well, you know, he'd sobered up and he, he, he'd gotten hit and they got out of the car. He actually got out of the car and started walking and then he yes. hit his neck. So if you're in a car accident and you, you, I guess you're supposed to stay stabilized. I mean, I don't know how he knew. He said, I think he said his neck hurt or something and it snapped his. Okay. I didn't hear that, but I heard a story that when he got out of the car after the wreck, I think it was in the desert or something. 
Mm -hmm. got out and he started walking and I heard that he said something to God. He said, like, why, 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 you know, like, why'd you do this to me? Right. And I heard this story a long time ago. I, I, and I believe it's true from what I remember. He said, why did this happen? And he was like, what? And then he paused for a moment as if somebody was talking back to him. He's like, oh, okay. And like, he was like at peace with it in some kind of way. Like he was told why this happened to him. Well, I know he got clean and sober and he was religious at the time or, you know, yeah. I don't know how serious, but compared to where he was. So who knows what, you know, what the, what transpired, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it was really a strange story. But by the way, after the show that he did at Cal State Northridge, it was in the student union at Cal State Northridge. After that show, I approached him. I said, hey, that was really funny, man. And he was like super, you know, some people are different off stage and they aren't. He was super nice and almost shy off stage. He was like real, like, oh, thank you. That's, you know, he was like real appreciative that I came up and said something to him. I appreciate that. He had that raspy voice. Yeah. yeah. But okay, so let, let me let me move this forward a little bit. Um, but it's great hearing how you you know what what who who kind of got your attention. Who would you say today is your favorite comedian? By the way, right now, who do I like? Yeah. Uh, man, let's currently. I don't know. I mean, um, he's a bit profane, but he's really funny. I like that. I just watched this Jim Jeffries guy. He's pretty hilarious, dude. If you haven't seen him, you know. I haven't seen him. He's yeah, and I I think Chappelle's a uh, uh, pretty brilliant. Yeah, uh, Jim Gaffigan is is uh, real really funny. Um, I like the Greg Giraldo. He passed away a few years ago. I thought he was really good. And Richard Jenny, another guy committed suicide. You know, one was dr drug alcohol related, and one was depression. You know, uh, shot himself related. It, it, is there uh, without giving away uh, insight, you know information or anything? Is there a preponderance of I don't know people on the edge, maybe people with substance abuse problems, people with issues of some one kind or another? Is there like more of those in the in in the in the field of comedy than other places? I'm sure in general, any any performance. Uh... I think there's been some studies done. I saw something like a year or two ago, and I don't know if it was in England or here, that said there was a higher higher percentage of mental illness in, my, you know, in that field. But uh, I think, yeah, anyone you need to go out and get on a stage and stand there and talk at people for <laughs> and to get validation, you know, it's just, it's, there's a whole... Something going on there, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, the substance abuse, it's kind of like, you know, the rock and roll days where the guys all be out partying. Now, you know, personal trainer and a chef and you know obviously i don't i'm, a, I'm my own personal trainer my own you sound like you're talking about me now yeah but this, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like people we i think there's been some evolution and in, in the comedy used to be the rebel bad boy now it's you know let's go out and party afterward and it was it was more of a of a, a hang than a business now there's still the hang where people hang out but the business of you know is it's, yeah. it's like the music industry and it's, it's it's i think it's it's cheaper to produce you know you can take a a Bill Burr or something like that on the road and throw a spotlight up, you know, yeah. pyrotechnics and a stage crew and, True. and yeah, it's just like, Hey, we can make, we can make the same money or, you know, 70, 70% of the money at 10% of the cost. I, you know, I never thought of that. Has that been discussed much? I've never really thought about that. A little bit. People are saying, you know, comedians are allegedly the top comedians are the new rock stars, you know, me and yeah. more tribute cover band myself, but yeah. <laughs> cover band. Yeah. So let me get back on to it. I started to mention about your going breaking out on your own. You were at the DMV and things like that. 
and what I noticed, and then you went into that, and then at some point you and you, you left the area. You were in like the valley, you know, near near LA, and then you left the area and you went to the DMV, but you went into um, uh, what do you call Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. and so you actually left the area, and that's when I remember seeing you at some point there. In fact, I used to drive. You had a uh, trailer at the time. You lived in a trailer in a trailer park place near the beach, right? Yeah. And then uh, I remember at some point uh, I moved up to Santa Barbara. I became a cab driver up there for, for a certain You had that big old green uh, Impala you're cruising around. Yeah, I had this green old Volkswagen bus that I actually lived in for one year. Oh, bus, but then you, you were driving that cab company. I'm like, how are you making any money? That car got like 12 miles to the gallon. Oh, it was cheaper then. You know? I was in the worst cab imaginable for, for having a cab. I'm like in this, like, I don't know, like LTD. I don't know what you call this yeah. thing. It was, it was like a V8, and it, it, it literally probably didn't get much more than 12 or 15 to a gallon. Pontoon boat with wheels. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. But I was, I was actually working the cab line in Santa Barbara Airport, at Santa Barbara Airport for a while. Which was interesting. It's a whole, I almost did it. I almost did it. Wrote a sitcom on that. I mean, I could have. Some celebrities there, and uh, um, yes, I, uh, John Travolta uh, used to have a private plane, and he would regularly, about once a week, go out and fly his plane. So did you ever pick, pick him up, or did he have like a limo oh, weight? Pick him up, and John Travolta. Can I say that on the? No, that's a joke. You pick up John. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. Yeah. I hate when people talk about celebrities. That was a joke. Sorry. We can edit that. It can be a no. Maybe we can edit that. But you know, because then it's like I mean, so they had limo. It wasn't Uber. There wasn't private cars. Now a guy would never, you know, they would never jump in a cab. Once in a while, yeah. you go. I, you know, I don't know if I ever met, I don't think I ever talked to him because it was kind of a side area there that I just see him walk over to and, and go get his plane. I don't think I ever met him, but it did seem like, I always thought he was a really kind of a uh, pretty decent guy in a lot of ways, though. He just seemed, he just kind of came across to me, even today, I think. Um, I don't know. He came across a pretty decent guy in, in, in many ways. Um, anyway, um, but you were there. My point is, it seemed like you, you went there and then you took off and did your own thing. At some point, you did, you went from DMV to actually, you started your own comedy traffic school. Well, my buddy talked to me, he said, hey, the, the state of California is having budget problems. He goes, um, I'm going to start a driving school. You should consider it. All the counties are getting rid of, all the high schools are dropping behind the wheel drivers training. And then he, he said, you can come work for me. I'll get you the hours. You had to have so many hours under someone else to open your own school. So I did that. And at the same time, I taught, uh, I started uh, doing traffic school classes and I opened my own traffic school. So mm. I left the DMV, said, I bought my own. We're going to make a ton of money, cash business, you know. So uh, uh, that, went, that went pretty well, except the, the classes in lake county out of the 58 counties of california i would think that was one of two counties or maybe the only county that didn't drop behind the wheel drivers train oh so all these potential students you know it was me charging in a, in a pretty poor county rural county or them paying you know going to school and doing it for nothing and then they charge them like 50 dollars. oh okay they, they didn't really teach you much it was that you know the drunk football coach you know sorry I'm <laughs> football coaches and you know, just sitting there driving the kids around three in the car. They didn't, it was just all kind of yeah. playing them off, you know, but, 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 I, but that I was Catholic school on the side. To, to yeah, yeah. So that's where I started to get people say, Hey, you're funny, man. We really enjoyed your class. I've been to, tra- this is the best traffic school I've been to. I tried to put some jokes. I wrote my own lesson plan, which the DMV actually disapproved. Really? 
yeah, I didn't follow the exact bureaucratic guidelines. You know, I was, I was always butting heads with the bureaucracy for my days working there. Yeah. So, so it was regular traffic school at first. And then, and then you started throwing some jokes into it. It became I, funny. Well, yeah, I never, I never advertised it out of the gate. I, it was a painless, payless traffic school. So it just came up with the name. And then I, I just tried to make it more entertaining. I'd start throwing some jokes and then, okay. you know, and just started getting in that writing mode. Oh, that, I should say this. And then you do it over and over, you get your little stick down. So it was like having a comedy set. So okay. people said, oh, you should, you, you're really funny. You should do, you, you, you do comedy. I said, no, but yeah, I thought about it. And I said, maybe I should. I so said, I should hire some comedians to teach. I'll open another school, a second school, comedy traffic school, which was big. So many people in California that got tickets. You know, you're talking probably hundreds of thousands of people didn't want their insurance rates to go up. So they would go to one of these hundreds of traffic school. And so I opened Painless Payless Comedy Traffic School. I tried to recruit some, some comedians. One was teaching a class in Sacramento. So I said, I'll take the class. I would drive two hours each way to take this class. and the teacher like me started taking me on the road and then just kind of took off from there. So you had a, um, you definitely had a certain drive about you and were you, were you always, how long were you interested in like starting your own thing? Cause obviously you were starting your own business and you seemed to like to do that. So were you, was that coming from way back that you didn't want to work for somebody else? I, yeah, I think it was the spirit may not have been the best. It's not, not so much that I was, tra Oh man, I mean, oh, my goal is to be a driving instructor. My goal was to, get the heck out of DMV, basically. I was just kind of sick of that. Was, you know, it was kind of a stifling environment. And, I, and one thing that really bothered me, you know, like with the one, I'm not just here to bag on bureaucracy, because I think, you know, there's some good employees and stuff, but like the manager, we, we actually turned her in. She was, uh, she was forging overtime. She was trying to like pad her hours, you know. It's and kind of common in, common in bureaucracies, right? The janitor and I went and actually, we documented Xerox that sent it in. And <laughs> she, I think she knew it was me that turned her, so she never liked me. Anyway, I, you know, because I was actually, you know, it sounds, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I was way smarter than her. I worked pretty much everyone in the office. She was just this dim bulb lady. And yeah. um, her dad, you know, it was this one of these old nepotism thing. The dad got her in there. She was never going to advance from working in an office of seven people. So that was her little kingdom. So I would do, you know, I, I got in trouble for that. Then we used to write in these suggestions called merit award board suggestions where you get paid for saving the state money. Like say, hey, you come up with this form that reduces overhead. And so I would send those in and I, I probably made like a couple thousand dollars a year and it was saving the state money. So they would reward you a small percentage. Right. And so the other employees were like jealous or annoyed that I would do that when it was, wasn't busy. So I was just kind of like bitter. I was eh, I don't want to do this. They turned, she's oh, you can't be writing those up during work. It was just little things like that. Yeah. Uh, so you wanted, like, wanted to get out of the, you were kind of stuck there and you wanted out. Yeah. I mean, I did like the fact, you know, at the time I, I was married to two small kids. So I did like the security and the medical and all that. But, you know, so I, get, I gave all that up. I had some money saved, set aside. So I opened the driving school or worked for my friend in his school, got my hours, started my school, which was actually good because when I was doing the traffic driving school, I was able to start going out. I would just schedule around shows. So right. another, you know, success tip I have, if you're, if you're trying to transition to something, if you have like that bridge where you're able to work, in your job part-time you got some flexibility yeah. up until covid the gig economy is a good way of being able to you know work on your your other thing like hey you're driving uber you're you're working you know amazon flex whatever your thing is where so if you have that ability you know and which i did being self-employed right. that that really helped me to get out there and not just say make zero money and because you know i drive to oregon you make a hundred dollars a night and be gone for five nights, you'd end up probably breaking even by the time you're paying yeah. down. 
yeah, it, it's uh, it's tough to just jump out of something completely and just try to make it and stuff. And I've done that quite a bit or tried to do that in different ways. And it's very tough to do. And obviously, it's not the best thing to do. And some people will disagree and say, oh, you got to pull the ripcord and go all in. And just, oh. I, don't, I don't see that so much anymore. I mean, I think they'd yeah. say that mentally you have to be all in. Yeah. And even invest in, you know, you have to invest, you have to invest in your career. So if you think you're going to write... I've tried, that's when one of my holdups, I've kind of done it on the cheap, you know, you know me, Pat, I'm Patrick, I'm fairly frugal, you know, I'm super cheap, so sometimes I could have probably put some more money into stuff, and I didn't, but, um, yeah. you know, you have to, you really do have to invest in yourself, spiritually, emotionally, uh, monetarily. Absolutely, know. so let me, let me, let's dig into that a little bit, let's get really into the success principles here. In terms of your craft, let's say, how did you know, at what point did you know you were going to make it in comedy? I think when I started getting people calling me, you know, when you didn't have to, you know, regularly and they say, Oh, are you available? And you want to come here? I got a, I got a TV appearance on some like uh, Galavision, Galavision. It was like a Latino network. And I got, I got a TV credit. So I said, well, if they think I'm good enough to do on TV, maybe I'll stick with this. Cause that was kind of a, that was a good yeah. uh, <laughs> validation. And then I really wasn't that good at the time at, I don't think I even got that really good till, you know, decent till like year eight, 10. I, I had flashes of, of good, you know, at the, as, as you'll see, if you, if you go to all these open mics and these guys have been doing comedy for three weeks or a month, every one of them has this one nugget that's pretty brilliant, yeah. maybe a couple, but they don't know how to put it all together and right. the rest is painful. So I think there was, you know, I, when I knew I, I could make money, when, when I was fi finally making money at it where it replaced my income, I think it was just kind of dollars and cents thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in is practicing comedy just what it seemed like it would be in other words you get better primarily by doing a lot of shows period it's like that it's just like working out or whatever it's the reps or you know going to the gym or going to the batting cage you know the ten thousand hours thing I, I that was where another thing where i struggled because i couldn't pick up and move my family to la or new york i have two small children so i had to do this you know commute i had no home club my home club was two hours away mm. That's each way, driving and bad oh, wow. way, mountain drive. You've been up where I used to live and yeah. you know, it was the most accessible place. And, yeah, yeah. And so, I, you know, sometimes I would drive down to the Bay Area and go down there and the show gets canceled once in a while. Or, you know, so the thing is, we, we, it's the fill-in stuff. Like when you get a book show, that's going to happen. But when you want to go do open mics and showcase where you build up your, your stable of jokes, and that's where I was at a disadvantage. I, I couldn't just go pop in in a club. You guys got guys in new york city la you know they're getting up eight ten twelve times a week so that one joke that was kind of rough hey work it work it, it, it out or move this sentence change this phrasing i didn't have those advantages you know i had a lot of time to think on it but it's you know but there's theory and there's you know yes it, it kind of reminds me a little too and you've been this way and, and i think one thing we have in common a little bit is we're kind of a little bit hippie-ish both of us a little bit you know we like to live you know off the beaten track a little bit sometimes and you know me moving you know more rural from an urban environment you do you gain a lot but you also lose that you know connection to touch and sure. to economic situations that are just not as easy to find so you have to kind of make up for that yeah whereas you might have walked you were living in LA you might got some Sunday night radio spot that might have morphed into a syndicated show now you're trying to build a grassroots yeah. you know 20 30 people at a time build up so yeah the, but you know everything is a trade-off 
and you know you have to be where you you feel you know you don't lose yourself in the in the chase of the of the dream where you you know set you rest your life out of balance so i think right. That's where that's when you can really be considered a success. It may not be. I, I've made a ton of money, but I've gotten to live a good lifestyle. I, I haven't had to, uh, you know, turn off a, a an alarm in the morning for you. Not that I sleep in a lot, but about <laughs> waking up naturally without that right. jolt. Right. You know? right. And that's why I'd get super stressed if I had to fly or travel, go because you know the alarm and being at the airport, and, and I would have to drive two or three hours because you had to get to the airport early. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a there was some anxiety, you know, there's, there's definitely some anxiety in, in uh, wanting to, to, to do this thing. And comedy looks fun and entertaining a lot, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the 20 hours of time and effort and energy spent to perform one hour on stage or whatever the ratio probably is, is uh, it can be a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the case with almost everything that, you know, people see on the outside, especially entertainment related, people see on the outside and it looks it always seems to look easier to them because they only see whatever time you're putting in front of a camera or whatnot. They're not seeing the preparation, the travel and the education and all the stuff that you're doing, you know, to do that. I think it's, you have to be kind of a certain kind of person, I think, to do it. Um, me, maybe, you know, and maybe we're similar like this. I just felt like a certain independent streak of wanting to be ever since I was a kid, I'm like, give me my independence, you know, leave me alone. Let me do my thing. And I kind of still feel that way in a way like um, I would rather trade, even if it was a certain amount of money, maybe, I mean, I want to make money obviously, but I would maybe trade a certain amount for the independence and maybe the lifestyle to some extent. So there's always trade-offs, I guess you would say to one extent or the other. I've never, yeah, I, I tell people I, I haven't uh, made a, a huge chunk of money in comedy, but I've, a lot of times I live a millionaire lifestyle, you know, where I've flown you to gigs and right. You have a private chef after a show and feed you and put you up at some beautiful resort overlooking a lake. It was and then the next night I might be in a in a Super Eight that should have been downgraded to a Sucky Six. You know, I mean, this is this. Is, have you ever done a, speaking speaking of which? Because I know you've traveled all all over the world, right? I mean, I know in, in in many countries and probably to most states now, right? I would think you probably hit most states. I'm at about forty three. Yeah, but I I haven't been to Tennessee yet. You're gonna have to set me up for a gig there on the porch. Yeah. Hey, Nashville, man. They got, they got uh, comedy clubs in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's Zanies over there. Yeah, there's Zanies. Um, so, let me ask you about, um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to ask you, but I was going to ask you about, I think, uh, travel, and I forgot exactly my question. Well, well, we're starting to ask you how many states, I've been 43 states, I've got to uh, perform in 11 countries. Yeah, yeah and I was going to ask you, what is that uh, like, in a sense, like, um, going to these different places. I was, gonna, I was wondering if maybe you'd thought about writing a book about that. I mean, in other words, your experience, you must have very interesting experiences going from, you say like the penthouse to, let's say almost the outhouse as far as, like, you know. There's the book right there, penthouse, outhouse. Yeah, yeah. write it down, it's yours. Um, but what is that like, or, or have you thought about that? Like, obviously you have a lot of chance to think, you have a lot of chance to observe people, you have a lot of chance to see good and the bad. In, in, in things have you ever thought about that I mean do you ever think about that a lot like what you know all the travel you've done all the different kinds of things that you've seen I do more now I think as you get older you get more reflective but back then it's just you just caught up just trying to get here and there and oh okay and not be and now I'm like oh yeah that was a pretty crazy experience you know like you know especially traveling the Middle East you're going to, to the Pacific and you're just seeing these different cultures and perform for uh, um, 
a, a Pacific Missile Test Range. Did a show in on Kauai on a, like a at a bar overlooking the ocean. You know, like they're standing there trying to. Do, I've done jokes at, at Alaska Airlines at thirty thousand feet. One time we were we were uh, the airplane. You were doing we, jokes. We were just going to Fairbanks and. We said, hey, we try to see if they let us promote our show. I was, well, why just go ahead and do some comedy? I was like, you know, Alaska's super chill. So I was like, I did like ten minutes of jokes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, I hope I hope someone got some of that on uh, recording somehow. I wish my, I cannot believe my buddy didn't film me. I was, you know, so I I try to lay claim. I said I'm the only comedian with land, air, and sea credits. I think. Yeah, right. What was it like? Now I know that you've performed for the U.S. troops overseas. You started to kind of mention. Mm -hmm. um, what what got you into doing that, and what 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 kind of experience was that? Well, I think uh, a friend recommended me to a booker, and then you know they they want a there's a certain type of person. They said you know you have to be able to put up with less than ideal conditions, you know, because they put you up, again they put you up in a nice space one night, and then you're just like a, a shed with a cot the next night. God. <laughs> you know that, that was uh, I think I did my first overseas trip was uh, Bahrain. Which was like like thirty minutes by cruise missile from Iraq. It's <laughs> a fifth fleet, yeah. So that was that was interesting, you know. And oh no, and then I, maybe it was to, I think I went to Korea and Japan, and I wasn't very good at the time. I remember it was you know I, my shows were okay. I remember one time I was all these people in the back there just playing cards, you know. <laughs> these people could care less, you know. But it's, it's if you focus on that's you know our brain draws toward that, but it focused on the people that liked it. And then, yeah. But, you know, I was good enough. They, they, that same booker wanted me to come and do some other tours. So I, I've been to uh, Iraq twice, Kuwait a couple times, uh, Djibouti, Africa. And, uh, yeah, the, the experiences have been great. And the military folks are always appreciative of the shows. We did one, one – my last time I was in Iraq was actually 2016, you know, 2017. And there was still some stuff going on with the Syrian uh, – they were supporting the, All right. the, the Syrian operations – against um isis isis yeah we were like 10 minutes from the border and someone like lobbed they i don't know something mortar or something came over and the base the power went out right in the middle of the show really <laughs> you know the troops are just like on phase like, my buddy did you hear that did you hear it i just heard war you know, that was his line You're like out of there you know come on how <laughs> <laughs> to go <laughs> well right so then we're ready just yeah that show goes on so they just put on some lights and did that another time i did a show Back in 2006, on a flatbed in uh, El Anbar Province, got my head shaved on the back of my hair. Oh, really? There you go. Someone making money on you again? <laughs> yep, exactly. I didn't get paid that time. Oh, okay. my, hair, my hair was shorter than yours, but it was middle of summer in Iraq, so I got a little jiffy pop on the top of the head. Nice. What is uh? What would you say would be the best and worst show that you've ever done? They were probably all the military ones, the best and worst. I don't know. I'd say the, the best the, the best show was we did a show in a tool shed in Iraq for some mechanics that couldn't come to the regular show at the mess hall. Yeah, okay. That's pretty awesome. You know, we stood on a picnic bench a workbench in the corner and just and they just sat around and air could just sweating and so you know I, I I'll never forget that. And then the one on the flatbed by one of my favorite shows. That's funny. Worst show. Oh, uh, you know, it's just probably some casino where there's like seven people and I have one in one in Muckin about it. Like I was having chest pain, seeing it like walking out in the middle of the show. Like, oh my god! He's all right. He's on nitroglycerin. Yeah. <laughs> painful ones where no one no one shows up. You know, it's like, oh we're gonna have all these people and and for whatever reason, oh sorry, this such and such happened. And, yeah. 
so you've had like the least people. I mean, you've had like a lot of people, but every once in a while you get something where almost nobody's there. Probably. Well, that's the thing. I haven't seen that career tra trajectory. Like, oh, gee, it's Mark Gaffey. We're going to fill the room. It's still like, oh, well, there's comedy. It just happens to be me there. And then I <laughs> show. So, you know, it's just, I feel like I'm on this plane. It's just not quite main altitude, but I'm still flying. Yeah. You know? Keep, keep still jet. It just hasn't cleared the turbulence yet. Yeah. Well, it keeps the ego in check, I suppose. It is. It is a good ego. That's, you got... And if that doesn't do it, hopefully something else will. Because if you get too, you know, haughty and, and cocky about it, you know, it's, it's kind of like sports. You know, you, you guy go out and score twenty eight points one night, and yeah. Next night, scores four points and fouls out. Yeah, that, that can happen. Um, come at the same intensity, it doesn't always have the same outcome. Yeah. Um, have you ever? Have you ever like? I mean, your your stuff has gotten obviously, I'm sure, a lot smoother and better over the years, as you say. Have you ever had a point where you don't remember your material and you're just like blank or something? That would happen. Like if you work in Las Vegas, like the, the Laugh Factory, they do uh, seven nights in a row and you do two shows. And then, and then on the weekend, I think one or two nights, you do three shows. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily you forget the material. Yeah, it's either you forget if you've done the material already. Oh, yeah. You've done it already 15 shows in a row. Did I just do that? Yeah, yeah. And then I just do it. And I don't know if I was repeating it or not. Yeah, you're right. Now, I should have rolled the tape, but a couple times I forgot, you know, you flub up a joke or you, that's the beauty of comedy though. It's not like, you know, surgery and yeah. Mechanics. I can, you can laugh it off, you know, your mechanic. Oh yeah. I put your transmission in back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Surgeon yeah. laughing it off. He gave you a aorta uh, puncture. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can't laugh that off. So do you have, is everything in the show scripted or is there a certain room for extemporaneous or how does it usually work? Mostly comedy is mostly scripted. You just try to make it look unscripted, you know. You okay. Have, you have a pretty good uh, plan what's going to happen before. You know, once in a while you'll just freestyle it and say, "Okay, yeah. we're going to take questions. I want to. What, what, what do you guys want to talk about? And see if you can riff with it, or you know, so the audience, someone pipes up with a, a comment or some, you know, something happens in the back room, something gets kicked out for, you know, being too loud or drunk. One time I had a guy fall asleep in the show. You know, well, probably several times. <laughs> that must be you know, good. Yeah, it's left. Yeah, and you know, or I had one time I had a special needs young man in the front row, and he kept laughing. He was having the best time, right? Just because him, but he was kept laughing at all the like at the setup, not even the punchline. He's ah, just <laughs> laughing, just having the best time, and we just got on board. It was you just had, you had to roll with it, right? Yeah, so yeah. Those well, are the things that actually people I think they appreciate, and they can you know they sniff it out if you're too scripted or yeah, too yeah. theatrical. You know, they want. They want more, uh, people, I think people want gen, uh, uh, genuineness and, and some spontaneity, so. They do, they do. Um, has, your, has your comedy changed over the years? And if so, how has it changed? Um, I think now I'm, I'm kind of adapting to the, to the newer, so I would say stream of consciousness style, but it's the less da 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 da, -da, -da joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's more like, okay, well, you know, we're dealing with COVID and I'm trying to adjust, you know, like a, I got the, they said to plant a victory garden, right? Because victory gardens help the cause and do something good for the country. I planted a victory garden in, in uh, April. I surrendered first week in May. <laughs> to doom. <laughs> yeah, I, so instead of like joking, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I, I quit faster than the French in World War II. You know, it's like. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. They can stop a Nazi invasion. I can stop an AFID invasion. So it's a little different cadence. <laughs> a little different uh, weight there, a Nazi versus AFID. Yes. Um, Speaking of COVID, what obviously a lot has changed in COVID, obviously in your business, 
things have changed drastically because you're talking about clubs, sometimes bars, I guess, as well. I mean, the places where they're most likely to be shut down other than a church in California, right? Uh, but the, the, the chance of being shut, you know, I mean, so how have you adapted as a comedian? How is, how is comedy adapted in general and how do you have you adapted personally? Well, comedy in general is still kind of just figuring out what's going on. I mean, and personally still trying to kind of adapt and see what, what I can make a, you know, a living going forward, you know. So uh, more Zoom shows, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I did pitch a drive-in laughing tour. I, I had a couple of inquiries, but no one's really signed up on that. We do a show in front of the screen and project it. Um, yeah. So we'll see if that something comes out of that. And then I've had a couple offers to do some social distance shows, where, you know, again, where people do them outside or things like that. So yeah, be, if, if you, see. I was going to say, if you could do shows, I thought about this. If you could do shows where, because comedy is kind of like the thing that to me, it works best on people laughing together. Yeah. That's well, why they had laugh tracks on the old rate of TV shows. And um, like I saw it Saturday Night Live, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I remember seeing one on YouTube uh, I don't know, a couple months back, and they did one like a, at everyone's at home, and I don't think they had a laugh or they had a they had a goofy laugh track, like a fake laugh track, but it doesn't work as well. It works so much better with people laughing together. Well, and it's not just the together; it's the group energy uh, that you're sitting close together. Yeah, about it like a human being, and it's it's a lot easier to for the good or bad, for the dynamics to, I don't want to say infect the other people yeah. to, to bleed into the other rest of the audience. Yeah. Now you go to, I've seen a couple clubs that are doing shows back here. They got the tables are all spread apart. And people are wearing masks and everyone's just kind of, it's just, it's not the same vibe, you know? I mean, how do you, how, it's not exactly a, the jovial atmosphere when you see someone looking like they're, you know, gasping on a mask or something. Is he laughing or gasping? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have a mask like a smiley face or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so maybe that's going to be part of it. Like the major comeback for uh, comedy, I suppose, or the way it's going to get through COVID. Because, like I'm, I always, I tell a story often, but, uh, you know, I used to watch, go to movies. We used to go, we probably went to some movies together in the old days. I remember it could have been with you, but I remember going to a movie. I was about 19, just fresh out of high school. We used to go down to Westwood because Westwood was a place to go down to UCLA and there was all the girls and all the stuff going on. And there was a place to go eat and obviously movies. And I remember seeing Road Warrior, which was, what, the second Mad Max movie, I think. Mm -hmm. And I saw it in a packed house at one of the Regent or whatever that place was in Westwood. It was packed. And the opening scene was really intense. And if everyone's seen the movie, they're going down the road, they're having this crazy fight, and it's very, you know, intense. And in a movie, in a packed movie, it was, like, totally captivating. Everybody was like, whoa. And it was like an ex it was a ex shared experience, shared experience. And yeah. we don't have that as much, probably. Obviously, and now we don't have the movies anymore, where people are sitting together, or even a a a, a, a ball game, right? A, a football, basketball, baseball, whatever. <laughs> Word cutouts behind them. Yeah, I mean, so that idea of human, you know. Anyway, I don't know. It's just, it's just that well, it needs to be part of the mix, right? Well, yeah, it's not going to be the same. That's for sure. You do it on Zoom, and you have this guy like ha, 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 laughing, and then you hear a guy in his his kitchen with the microwave beeping, you know, because they yeah. went, so they do like a Zoom audience, and then the the guy sitting there trying to uh, you know mute them, the, the the moderator of the show. So yeah. Yeah, it's different, but uh, you know, I just I talked. Think, about, you know, I, I talked to about doing a virtual conference. They don't even know how it's going to work. You know, these yeah. companies and gatherings used to meet thousands of people gather in Vegas or 
or New York or wherever and down and and now it's like well we're going to have the here's the virtual conference from one to three we'll do this keynote speech it's not going to have the same effect the guy's going to be sitting there kind of dozing off we try yeah to- it won't it won't have the same effect so we need to and i was going to ask you this probably in, you know getting towards closing here how we're going to kind of overcome and maybe i'm in the natural health world so maybe i can be helping and i try to help with my videos i mean some people hate them but some people think they're good uh, but uh, you know the, the faster that we can get up and going economically, obviously healthy, healthy wise, um, the better I think for everybody. Maybe not politically so good for the other team if one guy gets up and it's you know it's Trump's America and Trump looks good because the economy comes back. I understand all that, but in the long run, what we do need to get back for everybody's sake at some point. So because I want to, I want to see everybody do well. I want to see comedy back. I want to see the movies back. I want to see the ball games back. Or all the different things kind of like the whole entertainment world is part of our culture you know music um but also just regular working and things like that so um what do you think about that i mean any any comments about that of of helping us kind of get back to the norm have you thought about that much well i you know i I do and it's like you know i think it'll happen in different forms and I just don't know how long it's going to take, but I th- eventually we'll get back to, to, to somewhat where we were. I don't know if it'll ever be 100%. You know, I think from now on they'll wipe down the, the, the bacteria belt there at the grocery store. You know, we'll be plexiglass, but hopefully we'll be able to smile and see people's face again. And, you know, this, it's, there's, no, there's no magic bowl. we got to take care of ourselves. But, I th- you know, as people have, it's going to depend a lot on, on society and how, you know, we can support each other economically, whether it's, you, you know, you go to the mom and pop store, give them your money. and you know, tip a comedian on or musician on the, the internet, try to keep them going, you know, keep, keep I think at this point, we just got to try to keep each other's, you know, spirits up and, and hopefully, you know, as the economy recovers and the, and the virus passes, people are in a, in a good enough energy. I think there's going to be a huge demand for, for live events when, there will. Happen, there will. but you know, it's like, well, is it, do we feel totally comfortable? Like, do I, do I, do I even feel comfortable taking a vaccine? Do I feel comfortable being in public? with people that may not, you know what I mean? It's just, there's just, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I want to just go out there and spend money. I don't want to be walking on the mask. It's just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom it all, you know, through right now. So I'm just trying to do my part, just, you know, do my shows online and write and write yeah. and volunteer and, uh, you know. Do it, uh, do what you can now. You yeah. know, the thing, is, the thing is too, we have a public that is splintered. We talked about this in the last uh, uh, podcast that so we kind of have, the, we have these tribes now. That's kind of something that's suffered as well. Not just the fact that we, because of COVID, you know, we can't have, but it's like, because we have these different tribes, it's like, we used to kind of like, we'd all go to the ball game together. We'd all go to the, mu- you know, the music event together. We'd all go see the comedians together. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, what, you got to have, like, you go to your tribe of your comedian who's, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean there's a lot of people that are not going to go to an NFL football game. And then there's other people aren't going to go to a, to a, a sporting event or watch a TV show there, but there's so, yeah, there's going to, there's, there's a, a agenda has bled in, good or bad agenda has bled into everything. And, you know, and some yeah. people be able to have a righteous cause and, and that you gotta, you gotta stick with your beliefs, but you know, how do we, yeah. How do you bring it back to the Johnny Carson days where it's, yeah. I mean, how do you bring it? The events apolitical. You can still have your views. You can still have your passions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to separate when someone sees, Colin Kaepernick kneeling, they're like, I'm done with the NFL. If someone sees uh, someone saying, well, uh, booing Bubba Wallace, oh, I'm done with that. You know what I mean? How do, you, how do you bring everyone back? 
what what lowers the the tension? I think comedy goes a long way. I mean, it people, can. It, yeah, I think it can. I've never been to a show where I thought it like, well, how many Republicans and how many Democrats are here? But you know, I try to play it down the middle. I try to be pretty non-political on my shows overall. You know, and some people they have a base. Bill Maher, he's got his left-wing base. Yeah. Miller, they got their fan base. I'm not that famous, so I have to I have to be I have to be more of a uh, a, a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse than a, a Ichiban uh, sushi place. I have to have a little more more for everybody, you know. But it's kind of cool in the sense that we all are in our spot that we're in, in terms of success here, you know, we're talking about success today. We have to find out how to have success where we're at, right? I mean, your success, how you approach it may have to be different than a Dennis Miller or, or Bill Maher. So I, I, just in wrapping up here, in terms of what you learned, like through your career, is there anything that you think is, is important to pass on to people? Either, either people, let's say somebody wants to be a comedian today. Would you say, no, don't do it, a very bad time to get in? Or would you say, here's how to succeed? Well, it's, it's, you know, the timing is up to the individual. And on, on an overall basis, it's a, it's a bad time to get into live comedy. doesn't mean you can't try to do it online. Right. There's, there, there's definitely going to be a shortage of content. So if you, even if you can't do, if you, let's say you want to do comedy, even if you can't do live stand-up, traditional stand-up shows, you can do sketches, you can do little bits, you can post, you can build a social media following. Sure. So, you know, with this TikTok thing, I don't know what's going to happen with that because there's a whole issue with China owning it. It may go away, but. There's a lot of people being made famous on YouTube and TikTok we never heard of that are worth 10 times, 20 times we are. Crazy. They make these crazy little videos, 17 seconds, 15 seconds. So find, you know, find something that, that sparks, brings you some joy and you think it'd be funny to other people. Don't be afraid to put it out there. And um, you know, Maybe podcasting. Maybe a podcast. Well, you yeah. know, you're, you're doing a podcast. You've got a podcast now. I, I am, but I've been super inconsistent. I think, you know, I just hit up some people for guests and so far i haven't heard anything i mean i've i've done 13 episodes it's called how does that happen yeah and yeah i interview unusual record holders instead of you know instead of you know the usain bolt running the world record hold i i interview uh uh molly Sh schuyler who ate 587 wings in 30 minutes for the world wings Which is incredible by four 117 pounds mother of four that, that's that's miraculous almost uh, George, uh, George Hood, 62-year-old man, uh, for eight hours, 15 minutes, 15 seconds consecutively. Planking. Yeah. Yeah. Documented. Yeah, this guy came out from England, you know, totally good. We're going to give you the record and all that. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, you're good. So I actually did 10 hours, but that wasn't a Guinness event. So okay. Exactly. 10 hours just playing. So I like to, you know, I like to look at the mindsets and the motivations and yeah. the methods for people yeah. doing that. And, uh, um, I interviewed another uh, guy, Sammy Obed. He did comedy 1,003 nights in a row. Really? Yeah. You know, so things like And then I interviewed a guy trying to become the world's worst Uber driver, which I thought was, yeah. Isn't there, isn't there a lot of competition? Well, he's trying, though. Some of them are trying, and they're doing a good job, yeah. Yeah. So bringing this into, like, success in general, what have you learned that you can pass on? I mean, we've talked about a lot of it already in, in different ways, but if somebody who wants to just – get get something going maybe they want to start something on their own especially in this environment and i don't mean necessarily in comedy but maybe in anything are there particular things that you just kind of run into all the time that are like these things work and these things don't work well i think one is to have you know you have to have a discipline about your life which you know i kind of fall off and on which struggle with eight if you, if you know whatever you want to do if you can get a jump a leg up on it all the successful people i've seen is get up early, get your 
prayer meditation done, take care of the, the core things that you're trying to avoid. Always go after those, you know, like eat the fog. So take care of the take care of the stuff you want to avoid. Today I had some stuff level from yesterday and I realized, well, I kind of avoided doing that. Mm -hmm. So I did that first thing. So then, you know, and, and then your creative ideas, try to journal. I mean, I always write, write down your ideas. Yes. And, and, and I, I've, everyone I see and I agree is, is mostly it's just handwriting. Yes. So hand to paper and instead of just typing the computer. Well, you're, you're reminding me, you're reminding me of Seinfeld uh, and Seinfeld. I don't know if he still does as he probably still does because he's a successful kind of guy, but he would talk about, uh, he had a calendar. I think you probably heard this story. He has a calendar on the wall. Every yeah. time he writes jokes, he crosses off that day. Yeah. He tries to leave, he tried to leave the chain unbroken, right? That you just like a chain link fence. Yeah. You try to give yourself some visual cues, some, 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 some smile posts, you know, don't get too caught up in those. Yeah, but in, in all that's in, in, in the, the back digress for a second. The new Seinfeld special, really, really well done. Super clean, super, super smart. Not the typical. What's the deal? He gets into some stuff, you know. With and again, I want to say the it's new style. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Just you know, give yourself, give yourself some some uh, uh, for some leeway to make mistakes. Keep keep track of uh, you know your ideas because a lot of stuff. You know, especially what I do, you know, you get a creative idea, you forget about it, and you, you then you're like hung up all day because you forgot it. But make sure you make sure you, you track your progress. Uh, don't get too down on yourself. Ask ask questions. Find people. You know, find mentors. Uh, the, the, the internet's a great thing. There's so much free uh, resources and help out there. So don't be afraid to don't be afraid to ask questions, and uh, don't be don't be afraid of failing. You know. You, do, yeah, exactly. Do you believe in using, uh, sometimes people will have a, uh, I don't know, a person that they work with, uh, accountability partner or a coach or something like that? Or I, I tried, but my accountability, part, accountability partners, both times, kind of went off the rails. They went off the rails. Yeah. So I'm like, number one rule, accountability partner, pick a partner who will be accountable. Right. I was going to say, be accountable or pick, the, pick an accountable partner. Yeah, so you just gave me a premise for a new joke I'm going to do now. See right there. Hey, love to bring uh, bring that in. Anything you want? You, you want to a lot of people. I see a lot of common um, um, theme among uh, success successful people is to publicly state your goals. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm a little gun shy. Just it feels awkward to me. Like, well, you know, I'm going to have a Netflix special. Right, right, right. By 2024, it's going to be called Innocent Bystander. You can look for that. And so. Uh, so maybe there's probably something to that. There is, you know, the affirmations and and actually vocalizing. I still struggle with that. So. I, I, well, I struggle with that, and maybe for good reason, but maybe because we have shame. I have a guy. I, I know a guy, and I won't mention his name. We both know him. But uh, I was I was at our my this was going way back to maybe my tenth or whatever anniversary. I mean, what do you call it? Reunion. Yeah. I'm like about forty away or something now, but it's crazy. But one of my reunions I went to, or maybe I went to two of them. And this guy walked up to me and said, um, I'm going to have uh, be owning uh, three hotels in Las Vegas in 10 years or something like this. And I'm like, it's so random. It's like, I haven't seen you in this long. I, I'd like to know maybe a little bit. What's that? I was like, with the first thing blurry out of his mouth? Pretty much, yeah. And um, I'm like, I haven't seen you in years. I don't know if I said this to him. I should have. Um, but it's like, I haven't seen you in years and I kind of want to know like what you've been doing and, you know, uh, catch up on maybe old times a little bit, but he went right into the future 
And I don't know if it's because he's had a bad past and a bad present or something, but it was very strange. So yeah, going out there and telling people what I'm going to do uh, probably has its limits, you know? <laughs> so anyway, um, well, that's again, your comedy ability partner, like Patrick shared to me, okay, I'm going to start up the podcast again. Or, oh yeah. That, I mean, you can, you can certainly state your goals without getting on the internet and announcing yeah. it to everybody who doesn't, may not care you know let's be honest it might, yeah, might, well, sometimes you guys want to you want to kind of like tell somebody something to kind of get some feedback or whatever or maybe a friend or whatever it is and so it's kind of natural sometimes and other times you just have to shut your mouth you might have a great idea or something and you might not be able to tell a single soul right you just because if you do it you're kind of letting out a little of that energy that would cause you to do it and then if you say you're going to do it you get all the love already for doing it and you haven't even done it yet right and, and it could be a great idea that someone's going to steal, sadly yeah. enough. You know? <laughs> yeah. Especially in this day and age. So anyway, um, anything, uh, we're, gonna, we're getting to the end here. Anything that you want to, and I, I haven't gotten into the details of your career, but you, I mean, I'll, I'll put a link in the description to a lot of your, you know, greatest hits, so to speak, and the places you've been. And I mean, you did, you know, powwow comedy jam from way back and then you're probably still dealing with some of the you probably still go back and do some of that i would think this probably yeah not yeah. so much right now of course but. yeah and, and so you've done you know specials on hbo and even pbs and different things i mean he's guys he has a lot of uh stuff behind him or is there anything like you you want to promote right now or anything you want to get out there before we go or or I know, no. I know your website for one of course yeah i don't like those long people but if you go to my website you can look around connects to my Instagram, my Facebook, whatever your, your YouTube, whatever, you know, most people have a favorite kind of portal, but they would get into their social media. What is, the, what is your site again? Laugh with Mark, L-A-U-G-H, W-I-T-H-M-A-R-C. My parents okay. couldn't spell, but if you remember Laugh with Mark with the K, I have that domain name also, so still points you right there. But Laugh spelled out, L-A-U-G-H, Laugh with Mark. With Mark. Mark with a C, right? Yes. And I also, or if you want to com and then also have a dry bar comedy special dry bar is the largest uh producer of comedy content in the world now for stand-up all all pretty much uh, family oriented clean comedy good that's uh dry bar comedy.com d-r-y-b-a-r comedy.com forward slash mark m-a-r-c so that people right to the app they can download the app for free watch me for free on a tablet or phone or it's like one dollar if you want to watch a special on a tv or your computer Right. Okay, cool. Well, hey, that's another thing that's going on. I wish you well with this. I know you're in an industry that's obviously uh, tough right now, but I mean, you have, you have weathered it out over a period of a long time. So you're doing, obviously doing something right there because you've been a, a successful for decades. Now, right? I mean, how long have you been in comedy now? I'm in year 21 of the 50 year plan. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It must be interesting too, you know, uh, just to, to be at the level you're at and to know like how you've improved and things. Cause you, after a while, you know, they say 10,000 hours, right? You probably put in what a hundred thousand hours by now or whatever it is. Yeah. But anyway, I kept track. Yeah. But you know, it's always, uh, it's always a learning process and that's the thing. Never, never stop asking questions and don't get too complacent, whatever you're doing and, and, and be grateful for, you know, whatever success, small or large you've had. Cause it's, yeah. you know, it doesn't, doesn't always, uh, it doesn't always continue in the form you may want it. So, you know, I, I wish everybody uh, well and all your, uh, all your podcast listeners and hope everyone gets to this time safely and thrive, yeah. and thrives on the backside. Yeah. 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 Good, man. And, and thank you for being with us. And I'm happy today. I'm happy to be alive each day, to be honest, in this crazy world. 
I'm happy to be alive and eating <laughs> and well and just not, you know, having a good life. And um, I'm grateful for that because we're really living in a crazy world. And I hope that's maybe part of the reason why, you know, I'm doing these podcasts as well. But I kind of want to decrazy the world a little bit if that's possible and uh, bring some unity back into America again and, and good natured people around the world, obviously, who will be seeing this. Everybody in Canada and Australia who are touring in, we, we, we're, we're, we're not doing that bad in America. We're actually pretty sane. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Mark, thank you very much for being with me uh, today and, um, and, and wish you continued success. So thanks very much for being with us. I'm just going to close it out. All right. All right. Thank you, man. All right. Um, that was Mark, my friend, obviously my friend, Mark Yaffe, uh, over decades, uh, no Mark, a uh, good guy, hardworking dude, uh, independent. And he's been in the comedy game for a long time. And that is not easy to stay relevant in a, uh, game, a game like that. That's can be probably cutthroat in, in a lot of ways, but he's, he's been able to maintain uh, and keep success for many, many years. So, um, he's doing a lot, of, lot, lot right. And, uh, hopefully you can glean some, some great tidbits out of this, this uh, podcast and make sure to, to get around. If you like it, send it around. And, um, I'm going to be making the podcast available, uh, to my subscribe star people. You can go to oldschoolus.com, oldschoolus.com, by the way, from my website, but I'm going to make my podcast available to my subscribe star people only pretty soon. I'm pro I may leave this one open as well. I left the last one open. I may leave this one last one open uh, for everybody, but very soon I'm going to be uh, you, making these full uh, video podcasts available only to Subscribestar. So I hope that you go to Subscribestar.com, Patrick Rooney, R-O-O-N-E-Y, uh, link in the description here as well uh, to become a Subscribestar supporter, and I really appreciate you. All right, I hope you got something out of this. We're going to be doing more uh, podcasts on success as we go, and we're just going to get people in different fields and ask them about their life and what they're doing that works and hopefully stuff that can be passed on to you so we can get America up and going again. It's time, guys. It is really time. All right, thank you so much for being uh, with me today at Old School with Patrick Rooney podcast. And I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. See you then. Thank you for joining us on Old School with Patrick Rooney. Visit OldSchoolUS.com to find out more about natural health, success, and freedom. See you next time.